Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Brings you Mackie and Judd. Now launching. Mackie and Judd. We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? Third and five. Somehow, someway, that is caught by Adam Thielen. I mean, he gets everything. He reaches over P.J. Williams and somehow comes away with it. All right, gents. Zolgad, Chip Scoggin, Star Tribune in hour one. Manny Hill as well. I'm going to start you off eight games in and one game before the bye week with a little game that we played several times on the Mackey and Judd show called Confidence, Curiosity, and Concern. Gotta write that down. When it comes to the Vikings. And, And in fact... You will be writing things down at 4 o'clock oh. when that ever-popular Mackie and Judge segment <laughs> comes teaser. up. But that's not till 4 o'clock when Phil joins the show. Confidence, concern, curiosity. curiosity. Here we go. Okay. So, confidence, we started with this. Third and five. And that, somehow, someway, that is caught by Adam Thielen. I mean, he gets everything. Oh, man. He reaches over P.J. Williams. And somehow comes away with it. This is going to be the no-brainer of all time, but I am confident that Adam Thielen is going to remain on track for one of the greatest seasons in Viking history. Let me give you what he is on pace for right now. This is remarkable. Adam Thielen is on pace to catch 148 passes for 1,850 yards and 12 touchdowns. The records for the Vikings. The records for the Vikings. Single season. Receptions. 122 for Chris Carter. He did it in 94 and then again in 95. Mm-hmm. And I just gave you this 148 for Thielen. That's what he's on pace for. Mm-hmm. That would be an, that would be a league record if I'm not mistaken. It's uh, I think it would be. Yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. The rece- receiving yardage of 1850 for Adam Thielen. The Vikings single season record holder right now dating to 2003, Randy Moss, 1632 yards. And the 12 touchdowns would fall five short of the record that Chris Carter established in 95. Randy Moss then also caught 17 in 98. And Moss did it again in 2003. But I am confident. Now, the only the only problem, the only fly in the ointment on Sunday is this. Stefan Diggs mm-hmm. has a rib problem, a rib injury that he suffered on uh, last Sunday night against the Saints. And he is listed as questionable. So that might make Thielen's life a little more difficult. Yeah. But I am still certain that this kid's story is going to have um, a rather impressive statistical ending for 2018, Chip Scoggin. Yeah, I, I agree. And if I was to pick a confidence, I would expand that uh, uh, answer and say I'm confident that 
the trio of Thielen Diggs and Cousins will continue to put up huge numbers, even if the running game, which has showed signs of life the last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. um, even if it gets on track or even if it you know still continues to struggle, I think uh, as teams presumably try to gear you know their game plan to, to stop those guys, that they'll still continue to put up big numbers because I think you're seeing two receivers playing at top of their game, a quarterback who's in tune with his offense coordinator, and just a you know kind of a uh, aggressive approach with the passing game right now. The catch that Thielen made over Incredible. the Saints helmet, the guy, the guy's helmet, ridiculous. When and and the dis- defender didn't even turn around. Yeah, because I think he thought, oh, I'll break this up for sure. I'm so close to Thielen, and he reaches over him and makes the catch. Well, it's it. You know, you have that one. You have his touchdown catch against Green Bay. Uh, there's been other one, the the diving one that was a big third down uh, two weeks ago uh, along the Vikings sideline where Cousins basically just throws to a spot and and. Uh, Thielen dives for it and catches that. You know, he's making these high degree of difficulty catches look pretty routine. I mean, it's just he's playing at such a high level. And it's it's interesting that Cousins, a lot of times he, he's not even seen if uh, Thielen or Diggs are out of their break. He's just throwing to a spot and they're going to get it, which yep. we, thought, we thought that might take some time for that chemistry to develop. But really, we've seen it from... The opening game, and, and that's a credit to them what they did in the offseason and training camp. Next, we move on to the concern. Third and seven from the 10. Pressure on Cousins. Pocket collapsing, and Cousins, the ball comes out, and it looks like Buffalo's recovered. They got it. Cousins has his arm hit. Ball is out. Rams say they have it. Right now, it's ruled a fumble. I am not even going to bring up the the pick he threw on Sunday right now. This has nothing to do with an interception discussion. This has to do with one thing my concern is. Can Kirk Cousins cut down on the fumbles? He has seven already this season. He has lost five, which, by the way, ties his career high already in eight Mm -hmm. games from last last year year in Washington. And that is tied for the five fumbles lost is tied for the National Football League lead. Now, Now, we looked it up today. He's not going to approach the Vikings record because the Vikings record set by Dante Culpepper with his small hands in 2002 was 23 fumbles. Oh my goodness. Not lost, just 23 yeah. committed. But anyway, and I don't know if this can be worked on or avoided or what, but Kirk Cousins has to learn that if something's going to go wrong, you've got to eat the football and not not try and make a play. And he was very lucky on uh, Sunday against the Saints that his knee was down because yeah. that could easily be eight and six right now. And that was a weird play. I'll, my concern would go to a lot of what the root cause of that is is the offensive line. And very that I, I I don't know. Now it sounds like Riley Reef he's questionable, but it sounds like he may come back this week. Elf Lions come back and played pretty darn good. So you hope that it's it's trending in the right way is going to be better, but still, to me, there's a lot of concerns. And, and to your point too, yeah, if he's getting hit a lot and he's getting a lot of pressure, and so he has to understand that he, you know, he's got to have a, a better maybe inner clock or whatever that I got tucked the ball. If there's, I think two of those fumbles have come from when he's moving up in the pocket and the guy comes from behind him, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, you know, the one a couple weeks ago was he was going to try to uh, get a quick check down, and the guy hit it as he's bringing his arm. So it's been a, a little bit different, not always, not all in the same category. But you're right. If if the pocket's collapsing and he's getting that pressure, um, he does have to do a better job of 
getting two hands on the ball and just going down with it and not letting it get uh, knocked out. I'd say the most important thing for this team's sake right now is he has to put, the priority has to be protecting the football over trying to make a play. Like if the option is yeah, a last second really cool pass to Thielen that gets you a first down or a potential fumble, yeah, I will t- I, I I would much rather have my quarterback take the sack. Yeah, it, 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 or in theory, pass. but I, I I I would hate. You don't want him seeing ghosts, and you don't want him playing scared and and being tentative in there either. I mean, the thing that he's that he's really excelled at is hanging in there, buying an extra second. But and at what it, price, though, I, Chip? I, I know, I know. That's my problem. Yeah, I mean, and when he fumbles, yeah, it's it's easy to say you got to get rid of the ball. But when he throws, when he hangs, or in just there, eat the ball. Yeah, but when he when he hangs in there extra second, he makes a throw down the field. You're, we're not complaining about that, you know. So it's there might be just some give and take, but it, you know, if you're listening, your concern that could cost him a game eventually. But I, I, w- I don't want him playing tentative. I think for for the fumbling thing. I think it, it a lot of it has to do with okay understanding the, the offensive line situation right now is what it is and unfortunately like they can't they can't really I mean they need Reef to be healthy and they need you know Compton when he's healthy they need him to play better and and, and all of that stuff but for me it's like when, when the pressure comes can he sense it enough to move up in the pocket a little bit or move move slide step over and in, in, into a different spot in the pocket. Or just take it off and and just run if he has to and protect the football that way because a lot of times what's happening is the the protection hasn't been great but he stands there in the pocket and he's holding on for that last second and instead of stepping up mm-hmm. he's just holding on to it too long and then that guy comes around the edge because he's beaten Reef or he's beaten Rashad Hill and he hits him and the ball comes out. I think the answer to your question is he can't. He's incapable. I don't think he's got that that Rodgers Brady slide step capability. Right. Which is why I would prefer what did Brad Childress, Chip Scoggins yeah. always tell us? Live For, yeah. to live to fight another down. Yeah. Live to play another down. I, I just think the acknowledgement has to be made with Kirk. Kirk, you got a really good arm. But there's going to come a point in time where your sense of what's going on around you is not very good, and so we've got we've got to reach a happy medium when we're playing in a key game that that doesn't cost us the football. Yeah, go back to the Buffalo game. The first two inter, or first two fumbles, those were on hits from behind, right? When he was uh, the first one of them was for sure because he was trying to actually take off. It, yeah. it was last second play, but but he, he came from behind and poked it out. That one, yeah. yeah but I mean, the ball wasn't being protected sufficiently by not, him. Yeah, that one was not protected. And it, I think that's where you just if if, if you're the coaching staff you just you know you uh, constantly emphasize hey ball security right if you're if you're feeling didn't the Zimba pressure. put a sign up in the quarterback's room this week basically stating that fact yeah. head coach agrees with us <laughs> that's right take care of that football ding ding down and goal from the three little shovel to Kamara and he will bend his way into the end zone for a touchdown. And finally, my curiosity is this. Can the Vikings defense can uh, continue to cut down on the points against? They gave up 27.5 points per game in starting 1-2-1. and one. That has been cut, including the Saints game on Sunday, to 21.3 points in going 3-1 and one in their past four games. They're currently 15th in the league, giving up 24.4 points per game after being first in that category last year at 15.8. I do think the defense has definitely made strides. Yeah. That's a good thing. That's got to continue. Yeah, I think they found their footing and whatever issues they were having early on in terms of matchups or getting 
linebackers on wide receivers and, and particularly giving up big plays. They, they've definitely cut those down. Judd, my curiosity would be Dalvin Cook. What what, what are you going to get from him the second half of the season? Love it. Now, now uh, my colleague Ben Gessling reported today that the plan is he's going to play Sunday on a pitch count. And whatever that snap count is, I don't I, like I, that. I don't understand it really. Keep I, him out. Courtney, either. Courtney Cronin reported a week ago that, that the plan was going to be to sit him through the bye. Just do that. Yeah, it, to come back on a snap count, I, you know, it Why? seems like you're either healthy or you're not, or you're healthy enough to play a full thing or a full load or whatnot. So I, I don't. I guess I'm curious on that. But what what are you going to get from him the second half? I mean, can that hamstring hold up? Can the other injuries that he's dealt with? And he's just not playing. Yeah, he, he played on what. Four games to start 2017, correct? Mm-hmm. And he's played in two and a half games uh, this year? Two and a half, yeah. three, yeah. So at some point in time, because I do believe that his presence in this offense can change the dynamic Without a doubt. entirely. Without, a doubt. Without as a, Particularly as a pass receiver. Mm-hmm. And he, he's so dynamic in that. And so, yeah, this offense, if you can add him in there and him being there all the time, it gives them an element that they, you know, that they don't really have right now. Well, I mean, why, to your point too, Chip, like why, why rush him out there? I, I just I don't. don't know. I, you know, you've got the buy coming up. Let sit him through the buy. Let him get. Let that hamstring. And hamstrings, you don't want to mess yeah. around with those. Those things linger. You know. And Latavius him, has been pretty good. Yeah, you've you've got a capable guy back there right now, and you've got a couple young guys behind him who are serviceable. So just don't 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 rush this. Let him get healthy. And plus, if he's been out this long now, because you you didn't you were going to bring him back for the Arizona game, you didn't do that. And and I'm not saying that it wouldn't be nice to have him, but if the opportunity here is we're going to put him on a pitch count, which means you're risking it, mm-hmm. that's tantamount yeah. to, yeah, we're going to try this, or it's going to be one more week, a week after that for the bye, mm-hmm. and, and then he comes back in the stretch of what's going to be three consecutive division games. Yeah, I just say play it safe, Get healthy. have Murray play, and because you've got a fighting chance then for after the bye, the second half of that season, to have your offense look very different. And you don't need him to beat the Detroit Lions. You don't need him to beat the oh, Detroit Lions. I said Lions. that about Buffalo, man. Yeah, here too. <laughs> I know. But, Buffalo? Come, but, but yeah. come on, you've got you've got Latavius Murray and you've got this quarterback and you've got these receivers. Like if you're if you if you think you need Dalvin Cook to beat the Detroit Lions on a pitch count, then what are we doing here? TCL Broadcast Studios, the show is Mackie and Judd. Phil will join the show at 4 o'clock. Until then, it's Zolgad, it's Chip Scoggin, Star Tribune, and Manny Hill on 1500 ESPN. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oh, that's just what they'll be expecting us to do. On 1500 ESPN. This place on Sunday. And then questionable Delvin Cook, as we talked about, uh, Star Tribune reporting that he very well might be on a pitch count of sorts. Stefan Diggs with the ribs, which is always very, very dicey, which means if he can't play, Thielen for sure will see two guys consistently because you're not going to worry too much yeah. about number 11. <laughs> Riley Reef with a foot is questionable. He has been out for quite a while now. Uh, Andrew Sandejo uh, is out, or is questionable, I should say, with a groin. He's been out as well for a while. And Xavier Rhodes is questionable with a foot. So I'm not sure what they're going to do when it comes to a guy like Rhodes, who you might be tempted to try and sit again with a bad foot for the sake of getting him the extra week off and then coming back after that at Chicago, where yeah. the Vikings traditionally never play all that well. Yeah, it's uh, that's a long injury report with some big names on there. Um, the buy is at the perfect time. Yeah, it's a greatest buy. The The schedule makers did the Vikings a huge favor. Too. Yeah, they need it, obviously. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's... You know, some of these guys, it sounds like Reef is going to get back cooked to some degree. Curious to see what they do with Rhodes. Uh, I guess it depends on how he 
you know, how that thing's responding or if they just want to buy that extra week, like you said. So I still think even with that injury report looking like that, uh, Vikings have enough to, to beat Detroit. Um, but, it, you know, it's, it's not good. They, they definitely need that buy to get a lot of these guys back. If Diggs is limited on Sunday or if he end up, ends up not going because of the ribs, okay, can we see more of Aldrick Robinson then? Can we just, I mean, I'm, I'm just over Laquan Treadwell. Like this, this, I mean, it, they, they got to, why did you bring in Aldrick Robinson if the only time you're going to throw to him is in the end zone? Like utilize him more in the passing game. The, number eleven well, he is can catch touchdowns. Yeah. I'm okay <laughs> with that. Right. Chris Carter was <laughs> in Philadelphia. Yeah, All right. he did was catch touchdowns. But like got released. Uh, but enough of number eleven. Like they, this, this has to be done. That, yeah. that is an ego thing, Manny. That's all going to depend know, on. Pick, man. That's all <laughs> going to depend on people's egos at TCO Performance Center because eventually somebody's going to just have to say it didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and this is this was sort of you thought was going to be the year where he either does it or he doesn't, you know. And so at the end of this year, and barring a big turnaround, this is going to be the year where they well, said this is just not working. And the penalty on Sunday. Was, yeah. It was incredibly destructive and and totally stupid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are you doing slamming your helmet down? First of all, you didn't fumble the ball. I think he made the tackle. I think Laquan yeah. actually made the tackle there. But what are you doing taking the Saints and Drew Brees in particular from, I believe, what would have been the 33-yard line to the 17? Yeah. Like, that, that's just... Hey, Drew, here's an extra 15 yards. That's unforgettable. With time down. running down. And, and, and then here's what killed me about that. They didn't bench him. Yeah. Well... How do you not bench him? Yeah, I mean, part of it is you have a game plan in, and you just don't want to scrap it because the guy slammed his helmet. I understand that. Well, then, like Mandy said, have Aldrick Robinson yeah. have the same portion of the game plan. Aldrick Robinson's a really he's solid, a veteran, serviceable yeah. wide receiver. Did There's you guys, no reason to keep forcing eleven out there. Did you guys ever think on draft night when they took Treadwell? That three years down the road, we'd be pining for Aldrick Robinson, a guy who honestly, until the Vikings I picked him up, of, yeah. I had never heard of. Him. <laughs> That's right. It's like the poor kid that played quarterback for San Francisco last night, Mullins. I had never heard of the kid in my life till yesterday. Either. I hadn't either. It has been a week, Chip Scoggins, in which um, I sense that the two coaches that are going to be going against each other on Sunday have been <laughs> rather uptight. It starts with this one. I'm going to come in here and tweet this, tweet that, whatever. My daughter wanted me to put on the shirt. That is, that's unbelievably rude, but that's okay, I guess. That's what you guys do. Okay, that was Zim on, I believe, Monday. Monday. Yeah, it was there, Monday. Yeah. Okay, so people are tweeting. Now, Now he is, I'll give him this, he's probably in real life not wrong, but then I need something back from him. Like, if you don't want me to tweet, that's fine, but then you're going to have to tell me the truth. Well, he's going to say, I can't do that. I'm going to say, well, then I'm going to tweet, right? But that led to this because Matt Patricia, head coach of the Detroit Lions, must have heard that and thought to himself, I can one-up that one. Um, Well, you know, do me a favor. Just kind of sit up and just, like, have a little respect for the process. Every day you come in and ask me questions, and you just kind of, like, you know, give me this, but I mean, like, just, just be a little respectful. Just, I'm asking just to be a little respectful in this whole process, okay? So ask me a question professionally, and I'll answer it for you. Now, that was in yeah. a series of questions about why the Lions had traded Golden Tate mm-hmm. at the deadline, and I believe the reporter's question was absolutely fine. There was it was a 100% percent nothing uh, legit about question, yeah. Why, this is another reason, this right here. Um, well, you know, 
like, do me a favor, just kind of sit up and just like have a little respect for the process. Every day you come in and ask me questions and you just kind of like, you know, give me this. But I mean, like, just, just be a little respectful. Just, I'm asking just to be a little respectful in this whole process, okay? So ask me a question professionally and I'll answer it for you. When are we going to stop with Belichick, guys? Yeah. Just because Bill Belichick is one of the greatest football coaches of all time, and he is, he's unbelievable. But every one of these guys, and, and a lot of trickle-down people as well, think they're him. I think it goes back to just the pressure these guys feel and, and being able to manage all the noise that goes on in the NFL season. And they just, a lot of the guys can't handle it. I mean, my understanding was the question that the reporter asked was, how does trading Golden Tate make the, the team better? Which is a completely legitimate question. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what every fan's probably saying. How did that make you better? You're trading, you know, a dynamic wide receiver. How does that make you better? And whether he didn't like the, you know, the tone, the the guy's posture. It sounds like sit up. I mean, come on. I wonder if there's a history there between. And I'm not sure who the Could reporter be. was, but I wonder if there's a history there. Could be. I'll be a brief history, maybe because Patricia just got there. But I wonder if there's something a little more behind but, that whole thing. But it, it just goes back to. Coaches, not just football coaches, but coaches in general are control freaks. They want to control everything. And so a lot of times you have this kind of, you know, terse or curt or short answers from where you're like, really? That's what you're worrying about? Just got to play hard for 48 minutes. Control freaks? You mean like this guy? No, I'd give a rat's ass about Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) It's a platform for people that are sitting home trolling an unemployment check. Sitting in front of a keyboard. Mike Gundy, Oklahoma State. Also, <laughs> set, was that this week? Yes. Okay. It was, that was, it was, that was after. The, it was after the game. Okay, Saturday. but nonetheless, yeah, yeah, this week, yeah. Nonetheless, also a guy who is completely out of his mind and a control. Freak. And here's the thing. Here's the irony of that. So, according to him, Twitter's for people that are unemployed, drawing unemployment checks, sitting at home. So you mean to tell me Oklahoma State has never used Twitter to promote their football program or not, recruiting? Or not only that. The man likes to make fart sounds. Oh, I give a rat's ass about Twitter. <laughs> it's a platform for people that are sitting home trolling an unemployment check, sitting in front of a keyboard. <laughs> hey, where do you even go with that? I mean, come on. All right, so that so that was three examples of sort of like control freak coaches, right? Yeah. Let me give you two more this week of delusional coaches. <laughs> I got a cell phone just like you and everybody else. And I get a lot of phone calls from people that are dying to come and play here. I'm just telling you, they're dying to play for the Raiders. This is really him. To have salary cap space and to have a chance to talk to the people that you really want to wear the silver and black, the guys you really want to wear the silver and black and represent this team, that's exciting. Okay, first of all, that was not Caliendo. Yeah. That really was Gruden. Because that sounded like Caliendo doing you. Gruden. I'm just telling you. Don't you wish you you could say okay name them, name name oh, yeah. one name one person that's called and wants to play well, for the one and seven Raiders right? But they probably are calling. They all want to play in Las Vegas. Yeah, well, okay, yeah. he's right, he's probably right, but he's delusional enough to think they want to play for the they, Raiders. They want to play for him. They want to play in Las Vegas. And then we have Greg Williams, who okay. somehow after hard knocks, and I don't know how, is now the interim head coach of the Cleveland Browns and still totally off his rocker. Since I left Buffalo, I've had 11 letters sent in to interview for head coaching jobs, and and all of them behind the scenes I have, and I have, and four of them I didn't even have to show up, just signed a contract and come. 
but you know the structure has to be correct and um you know i have my thoughts on how things have to be done i like things here a lot chip wait that's, wait that's wait, serious. wait wait that's me, serious greg williams so he's he's saying that 11 teams i can play it again wanted him to, to be their head coach buffalo i had 11 letters sent in to interview for head coaching jobs and and all of them behind the scenes i have and i have and four of them i didn't even have to show up just come on <laughs> come on <laughs> He didn't have to interview for four. Just, just show up. Just show up. I love how he Come cites. On, I love man. how he cites structure. You again, know, he's got to have good structure. Name yeah. him. You're Name in that Cleveland, team. Greg. You're in Cleveland. You want to talk about structure? Well, and you're a last resort. Like you're you're completely crazy. You orchestrated <laughs> Bounty Gate. Yeah. Wow. Well, did you see him on Hard Knocks? Yeah, he's not. It was incredible. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, insane. he's completely crazy. He's completely crazy. Hey, Mark, go ahead. What's up? Hey guys, I'll uh, I'll uh, make this brief because I also got um, uh, some NFL teams giving me calls as well. <laughs> Who doesn't? My fax machine's alive and well. You don't have to show up. Oh man, I I actually was originally calling on this discussion because I I think it's just laughable. Matt Patricia, I'm going to go up there in a backwards baseball cap and wear a sweatpants and a sweatsuit, and I'm going to talk about professionalism in front of you all. <laughs> It's yeah. just ridiculous. Like, unless unless that reporter is wearing pajamas to the press conference, I don't want to hear anything about professionalism from any of these coaches. Yeah. Thank <laughs> and just, yes. as, as you guys know, as reporters, they got plenty of PR people there. If you're being unprofessional, that will take away your press passes. I'm sure you guys know. Thanks, Mark. I, I go back. To, yeah, he's right. I mean, the whole idea of sitting up and being professional, that that leads me to sort of what I think Manny's hitting at, that there's obviously a history between him and this Gotta writer. I right, mean, but there's something is, going on. But Patricia yeah. does, Mark's right, he has no room. Yeah. Like, if you're going to pick something, you can't pick that. You can't come to work, and I, I listen, I got no problem. Hoodies? I'm all for them. Mm-hmm. I got one on right yeah. now. Not, not looking professional? Really don't give a damn. So <laughs> I'm not passing judgment, but... That would be Patricia getting up and giving the rules of, of etiquette and how you sit would be the equivalent of me going in and saying, you, you know what, Chip, you should be dressing nicer. Especially when you're a first-time head coach and you're not exactly setting the world on fire. I don't think I would start well, picking those battles. And Patricia comes from a coaching tree that dresses like it's going to a slumber yeah, party. Yeah, but if you're Bill Belichick, you can get away with something like <laughs> no, that. No, I know, right? but when I'm you're... just saying that the last thing that you can do is, is comment on etiquette at all mm, like yeah. bill belichick and his assistants look like they're going to a slumber party yeah <laughs> that's what they look like i'm fine with it um well you know do me a favor just kind of sit up and just like have a little respect for the process every day you come in and ask me questions and you just kind of like you know give me this but i mean like just, just be a little respectful just i'm asking just to be a little respectful in this whole process okay so ask me a question professionally and i'll answer it for you oh, i'd give a rat's ass about twitter A platform for people that are sitting home trolling a unemployment check, sitting in front of a keyboard. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oakley dokley. On 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Come on, there's so much to do. On 1500 ESPN. Gross out of the corner, and it's a new career high. 
Chance for Derrick Rose. The stop, the go, the finish. 46 for Rose. Rose gets inside, puts up a tough shot, and hits it anyway. <laughs> 48. 50. A half a century for Derrick Rose here tonight. So, Chip Scoggins, you couldn't have been surprised at all <laughs> that just after turning 30 years of age, Derrick Rose poured in 50 on Wednesday night against the Jazz. I mean, we all we all saw it coming. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, what a just kind of a special night. I mean, you're not going to, you know, see Derrick Rose have a night like that, I think, again, because um, obviously not scoring 50, but just watching him early on, you wondered, like, how— were his legs ever going to come back and be explosive and be uh, early on in the season, he was missing some shots at the rim where he just didn't look like he had the same explosiveness. And, uh, but you know, that night, the finish and his, his attack and the way he was going after Gobert and the one kind of signature play to me was late. I think it might've been his 48th point where the he, move on Gobert? where he slammed on the brakes. And yeah, that was incredible. Gobert I mean, that, that now that looked like vintage yep. Derek Rose, um, but it's, you know, credit to him for all the work he's put in and, and obviously no one saw this coming cause he hasn't been nearly, uh, to that, to that level. Um, but it'll be interesting to see kind of what the plan with him is going forward in terms of minutes. Uh, yeah. Cause Teague and Tyus were both out for that game. So. Yeah. The, it, obviously you were expecting him to score 50, but you're expecting he needed to contribute because the circumstances, but now when Teague comes back. Was he going to be a twenty-five to twenty-eight minute player? I think off the bench. I, right. I, I assume um, it'll be interesting to see kind of what that does for his confidence in terms of um, obviously you you know he's he's not going to score fifty, but just being that kind of spark plug off the bench for him. How do you weigh what what the big uh, talking point was post game, and then especially yesterday, which, which is his past? Because I and. I said that before, I've got zero hot take here. Yeah. And I don't know how to weigh it, but the only thing I can say is in covering sports, it's I think you in some ways have to separate accomplishments on the field, ice or court. I mean, we covered Darren Sharper. Yeah. And Darren Sharper was a great guy. And and to this day I try not I mean, he's a terrible person, but it's it's very difficult, I think. Well, to weigh the, these things and come down and just say Derrick Rose is a terrible. Pr- I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't have a hot take on that. And and I sort of try to differentiate. That was a pretty incredible night for a basketball player. A special in, moment in, in, no a, in a basketball sense. Yep. I don't know that you necessarily have to make these grand, big picture declarations based on that about what you know may have or may not have happened. That happened. You know, went through trial, was found not guilty. I'm not sure that that. You have to bring that into the discussion. You can if you want, but if you're just saying, you know, that was a fun night to see a guy kind of, you know, reach back into his past and have a throwback game and just enjoy it for that. And I would never, ever, ever say that that this absolves him or blah, blah, blah. But I would say this, and this goes back to me for a long time now in covering sports. I do think that there is a lot of danger if you if you or or your kid follows sports and thinks that these guys are great. Now they might be great athletes, yeah, and that can be totally true. But Barkley was right years and years ago to put them up as anything more than just being very talented at what they do on the ice, on the floor, or on the field is, I think, yeah. a big mistake. Well, I, I will say, early in my career, when I was a young writer, 
and you'd meet someone and somebody would ask you, oh, how's this guy? Oh, he's a great guy. We don't know. Nope. Had no clue. And you spend five minutes once a week around a player, you have no idea what they're like. You mentioned Darren Sharper. If somebody would have said, what's it like doing with Darren Sharper? He's awesome. He's articulate, great answers, engaging, thoughtful. Well, obviously there's a different side of Darren Sharper that we had no idea about. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, you're not asking to – you know, say what this kind of guy is as a person. Um, you're asking, what's it like to deal with him? Yeah, he's respectful to us. That's that's all. Right, I can, and he might be and, great and, fun and he, to watch. He's a really good, and he's a, and he's a great basketball player, football player, baseball player, whatever. Absolutely, Jimmy Butler, and and you covered the Laker game on Monday, in which he scored 32 points, was mm-hmm. fantastic. The game on Wednesday was great fun as well, and the Derrick Rose story, as far as the basketball story, was incredible. All that being said, do you have the same takeaway that I do, which is everything with this team now is game-by-game temporary? Because there's nothing nothing that you can look at from these last two wins, and and you can take the fun of of those games. Mm -hmm. Monday night at Target Center was fantastic. It was a lot of fun in the building. But there's nothing that you can take away from those two games and say, "Uh uh-huh, you can... can Label this as such because it's going to be productive going forward. You have no clue. Everything feels like it's constantly in a state of a flux with this team. And that's why that was my column after the the Lakers game, where you, it's fun night, lively, competitive game. Uh, Butler was incredible in the fourth quarter, but it was a tease. It's like at some point this is going to come to an end, and so yeah, it was a great night for that. But like, what does it mean? Right. I mean, what does this mean? Because he still wants out, right? There's still this this dysfunction. For two hours, they put it aside and, and showed you kind of what could be. But once the the horn sounded, they're still back to having the same issues. And so, and if he's going to continue to do this, show up with general soreness. I mean, come on, they had an off day, and so well, Tibbs is doing his best to scramble and cover for him. Yeah, and so the sooner they can just. Finish this. Bring some finality to this situation, and move him. Then you then you can just start the process of moving on. Right. But they can't move on until they do that. And so you're going to kind of have this constant. But Tibbs doesn't struggle. want to. That's the that's my struggle with it. I don't see anything. I think that we look at Monday's game and say, "Aha, uh-huh, the value is you know if you're the Rockets now you're going to yeah. come in." And I think that's how we process a game like Jimmy Butler had on Monday, I think Tibbs says, uh-huh, that's why I'm, that's that's why why I'm not I, trading him. Yeah, that there is. you see what he means to this team. You see what uh, he can be. He's a closer. Uh, and so, yeah, it, it almost, in a weird way, emboldens Tibbs to dig in even harder because he sees what, uh, the you know, the value that, that Butler brings to the team. But it doesn't change, it doesn't change anything. And the fact that he does not want to be here and is going to walk, and you can't allow him to walk for nothing. I think Tibbs wants to. I'm getting wants to let him walk for nothing. Yes, I think Tibbs wants Boy. to hold him all year long. Then that's where you're I'm getting. <laughs> I'm getting more and more convinced that if Tibbs' ploy works, that he'll do exactly what you said that the organization can't afford to do. I think Tom will do exactly that. Well, that's malpractice if you're running a team. Then, if you know a guy's going to leave and he's told you he's going to leave, and then you just hang on to him and let him leave and you don't get anything, that's that's not uh, the way to go about it. No. Well, think about it. Since Tom Thibodeau has gotten here, has he shown any inclination to be forward-thinking at all since he got here? He's not an well, executive, so not really in, in that role, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, 
we've seen him rip up the plan completely in terms of we've seen his vision in terms of bringing Butler in and, and right. bringing these guys and trying to jumpstart the the winning process. I don't know if you call that forward thinking or not, but he you know he hasn't been afraid to make you know drastic moves if that's what you want to call it. But, but this, I, I but this mean, is like a guy is telling you, I don't want to be here. I I want to be traded, and I'm going to sit out some games with and pretend I have general soreness to prove my point. Well, to you know, to just let it drag out and say, well, we're just going to let you walk. That's I mean, you can't allow that to happen. The reason why I ask though is because Tibbs had to know Jimmy's contract situation when he traded for him, and you have to think, okay. When you make a move like that, when you have a young core and you decide to break it up to make to acquire this top 12-ish player, which just about everybody was on board with at the time, you also have to be aware of the contract situation. You have to think, okay, what happens if this doesn't work? He didn't, th- yeah, he didn't. He didn't think, and, and that's, and he that's, didn't that's, think it the worst case scenario. Theory. Yeah, and that's, 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 said, that's why I asked that question. Tip yeah. said, said one say, plan. Yeah, now see, yeah. Tom had one plan. And that was the Butler plan. Yeah, there was not a worst case scenario yep. he, in, in, in his mind. In Tom's mind, envision this. I think Tom gets home at night and thinks to himself, I've got my two favorite players playing for me. Mm-hmm. And that's Jimmy and Derek. Yep. That's all he cares about. And and I think in a weird way, the uh the Jimmy Tibbs dynamic is so dysfunctional and odd that the fact that we know that Butler is un- unhappy doesn't really phase Tibbs. Like I think he still thinks to himself, I'll convince him. I'll talk him out of this. He'll he sees a game like Monday and says, "This is it. This, I think, is, this is why I got it." I here. think Tibbs looks at it and says, "No matter what's going on, Butler's still going to be a fierce competitor right. when the game starts." And that's which is why he's picking and choosing games not to plan. Yeah, he's got a season ticket plan. He's no different than a person who's got a twenty game ticket plan. Flex plan. And do you? And if you got a flex plan, do you take the Jazz on a Wednesday night? Don't think so. You get the Lakers. You get the Warriors. You get the, the Warriors, Warriors on a Friday night. You get the Rockets on a Sunday afternoon. When the Celtics come to town, Jimmy will be ready to play. You get the Heat and Cavs. You don't take them. That's not part of the Jimmy plan. In fact, that's what I want. I want the Wolves. Let's. You know what? If this is going to last, let's cut through the BS. I want the Wolves to give me the Jimmy plan. Tell me when Jimmy's going to play. I'll buy the season tickets. That's right. And, and, and when Jimmy don't play, I'm not going. That's brilliant. Thank you very much. <laughs> don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Gentlemen, to the medicine cabinet. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. Please, continue. On 1500 ESPN. All right, quick look at your traffic here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. 94 eastbound, we've got a crash in St. Paul between 35E and 12th Street. That is causing a 13-minute delay. So if you're headed eastbound on 94 towards uh, downtown St. Paul, be on the lookout for that. Judd? Thank you, Manny. TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie will join the show at 4 o'clock. Write that down in the 4 o'clock hour. Uh, Zach Harper of The Athletic uh, to talk NBA at 4.30. Sage Rosenfels at uh, 5.15. And uh, Sage, we we pre-taped that actually, is outstanding on Kirk Cousins. And what Kirk Cousins does well and what Kirk Cousins does not do well. So that's at 5.15. Don't miss that. We also have 
a, um, a 1500 ESPN Twitter poll up right now. Mackie and Judd show poll for today. With the Vikings at the halfway point in the season, what are you most curious about for the last half of the year? Your three options are John Filippo's play calling, and if that will improve, Kirk Cousins curbing his fumbling issue, or will the defense return completely to its 2017 form? The curiosity right now, 64% for the defense. Yeah. 64% for the defense, 19% for Cousins fumbling, and 17% for uh, flips play calling, which I don't think has been bad, no, I but but I think Pat Shermer had one of the greatest play calling seasons in mm-hmm. 2017 that I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean he was really good, and, and he was outstanding. I, I, I would like to see if you get a healthy Dalvin Cook back, how that changes the Filippo's uh, kind of approach in his plan, and and it, like I said, it'd give another dimension. So yeah, I agree with you in terms of curiosity with the defense, it to see if they really have kind of moved on from the weird start that they had because that was just so atypical. Through the second half of the Saints game, then the Eagles game, and then through that Rams game, yeah. this defense came unglued completely. and they got it back together. Yeah, completely. And just the number of big plays they were giving up, which you know you didn't really see a lot last year. So I think they're back, you know, at least feeling better about, you know, the direction they're going. Uh, from the Vikings to what transpired last Friday night at TCF Bank Stadium. Morgan looking in zone, right to the chest Touchdown. Touchdown strike for eight yards to score. Gophers back on top. The pass on first down. He was a deep looking for a man in stride. Gophers are going to the house. Rashad Bateman. 67 yards. All right, Chip Scoggins. Yeah. You've seen a lot. You've seen <laughs> you've seen a lot of calamities. If um, if they hadn't got the Morgan debatement touchdown, which was a very nice play, where would that? And I know not high, but where yeah. would that have ranked among Gopher meltdowns for you? It would, yeah, it would it probably would have been in my top five. Well, that's impressive. Top ten, maybe, maybe not top five, top ten. I thought you say top ten. Yeah, top, top ten, maybe not impressive. top five. Because um, you've seen, I was there for Michigan 03. Oh, boy, Wisconsin, Wisconsin 04. Those have to be top. Well, wait. Well, you, the bowl game. The bowl game was the, Mace. the, the largest uh, uh, blown lead in bowl game history. So those three have to be up there. When did right. you get here, Chip? Uh, I took over on the beat in 2003. So I was there and I, I moved here in 2000. Oh, so, so, I, you, so you missed I didn't the, see Purdue. I didn't have. You uh, missed the Northwestern one. I didn't huh? have Northwestern okay. or Purdue. <laughs> okay. So keep going. Um, what were the other ones? There was a. We were, yeah, we were actually going through them in the press box the other day. Because Mark <laughs> Craig had like four. I had four. As a beat writer, but I, I think mine were probably more gut punches than Mark had because Michigan 03 will still. That's the big it's, one. It's hard to top that in terms of just uh, the impact it had. The goofiest one was probably Wisconsin 04, where you dropped the, the punt snap. Right. Um, and then. You know the bowl game was just my hair was on fire that night. I, I well, that's just, on deadline. Yeah, that so was you're on trying deadline. to write that. Yeah, um, so which you were again, of course, on Friday night. Yeah, so this one wasn't. Uh, you know, obviously the stakes are different and and all that, but uh, I had seen that movie before, and to their credit, they pulled it together and and got the big play when they needed it. I think going back to what we discussed previously about this team, I think the reason why it's so important that you get this defense right. And respectable is mm-hmm. this offense going to be good? Yeah, like I don't have any. You might not, or not you. People might not like flex act, yeah. and they might. But this guy can flat out, I think, coach offense and receivers. That that yes. receiver core is yes, you're right, is legitimate. I, I'm uh, really interested to see the 
what this does this year in terms of their development going forward, whether it's Bateman, Ottman Bell, Demetrius Douglas, obviously Ty Johnson's a star player. And so you have something there. And then Tanner Morgan, I got to be honest with you, I thought Anikstead was the better quarterback in preseason, just watching him in the few times I went. And uh, But Tanner Morgan gives him a, a different uh, element in terms of his mobility. And part of that, Anik said, he's not a mobile guy anyways, um, but when he had the high ankle sprain, that, yeah. that really limited him. So, and Tanner Morgan, you know, he came in in that second half of Nebraska and ran the option some, and then um, just his ability to kind of move on the run. The one, the first touchdown that he threw, the one to Tyler Johnson, was just an incredible. He looked off a guy and, and squeezed it in there. And so, I think more than anything, to me, when you look at this season, I think they know going forward that they don't have to start over at quarterback next year, whether it's Tanner Morgan or Zach yeah. Anikstead. Now, PJ said this week, hey, we're bringing in two quarterbacks in the freshman class, and now we're going to have four on scholarship, and now we're really going to have competition. But I, I think you've invested, and however it plays out this year, whether Tanner keeps it, whether Anikstead come, comes back and plays, or you do a combination of both, however, however it works out, I think you can feel reasonably comfortable that going into next year, you're starting – with a quarterback who's played in the Big Ten and has had some positive moments, and obviously they've had, they're going to have some tough times, and I'm guessing Tanner Morgan will too. But you know that they've shown you, hey, there's something there, and so there's something to build on. Does the offensive line look better too? Be- yeah, uh, I mean, because at the start of the year it was terrible. A, it was a disaster. Yeah, so they, they put Falalele yeah, in there. Fal- yeah, that right changed tackle. a lot. And I don't know if it's obviously that had a big impact on it because they were just not good. Early on, and the last, you know, really started at Ohio State, where you're like, wow, that kind of came out of nowhere. <laughs> they played pretty good against Ohio State, and then it's they've gotten better. And, and uh, PJ said this week that you know Connor Olson and a couple guys had their best performance of the year. So maybe they're figuring it out, and that's you know that's a big part. If you can if you can solidify the offensive line, then obviously their wide receiver core is going to make the quarterback look better because that was part of the problem last year. They didn't have good quarterbacks, but obviously they had one wide receiver. Now you have four that you'd trust. Yes. So that's going to make your quarterback look better. So offensively, I like the way they're going. Defensively. Oh, boy. Yeah, defensively, they got to they got to get better. Well, and you thought it might be okay up, what, 31 to, what was yeah, that? 31-9. 9, nine? nine yeah. In, in the fourth quarter on Friday night, and then they just came on glued. They just, they, it's funny, Judd. All Explosive year, plays, Chipper. That's what it, we call it. It is. All year, they, they'll they have stretches where you're like, you know what, this isn't bad. Right. And then they'll give up a 60-yard bomb. It's like, whoa. And they, that's that's kind of been their undoing is like they they have these lulls where for whatever reason they just have a coverage bust or a guy gets beat physically or whatever where they give up these long touchdowns and it just sucks the air out of the place. And so I don't know how you fix that other than maybe you look at the scheme with what you know Rob Smith's doing or obviously you got to continue to recruit and get better players, but they, you know, you can't keep giving up 38, 40, 45 mm-hmm. points and think you're going to win. What's the best receiving court that you've seen this program have previous Ooh. to this season? It's, would have been one of the ones with KJ May in it. Um, that's the thing. They've had a guy or maybe two guys. Right. I can't ever recall where you had four guys that you felt like yeah. this guy is really good or is, is a Big Ten receiver, a legitimate Big Ten receiver. You have. You know, you may have one, you may have two, but I feel like they have four legitimate Big Ten receivers that you can count on that can produce. And it's been a long time since you can say that. There is not a quarterback controversy, correct? Morgan starts as long. I mean, there's no reason to me to make a change. No, no. This kid's got an arm 
as you said, he, he moves around more efficiently than Anikstead did. There's nothing I've seen from this kid that would lead me to make a change. No, and I and the, the thing I said just to PJ is like typically these things sort themselves out whether with injury or performance. Like if if Morgan just goes completely in a tank, you know you go back to Anikstead. If he doesn't, then you stick with Morgan. I mean that's just kind of how it is, and that's what we need. You could be the new DC. That's right, yeah, we should hire you a defensive <laughs> coordinator. Right. You're blitzing every play, right? You've been coaching long enough. Yeah. So I, I just think covering it. Yeah, I, I just think you you ride you ride Tanner Morgan and then see how it unfolds. And if he keeps the job and plays well enough to keep it, the, the, there's your quarterback. If if he struggles or gets hurt, whatever, you go back to Anikstead. And they do beat. The Illini by I think they win twenty tomorrow fourteen. Eh, I don't know about twenty, but they give me fourteen. Should, I don't think there's a really. Close. I mean, Lovey's yeah. this is it's a bad, bad Illinois team. This so. is awful. Hey, one last thing. Yeah, how does Northwestern do it? I don't. I, I have no idea. I, <laughs> how I does Fitzgerald? It. He does. He, he loses. It's the weirdest team. Trying teams. to figure them out because they, they'll Every look year. just terrible for a game and they come back and you know beat <sighs> Michigan State on the road. You're like, what? Where did that come from? They they are. Completely, Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde, because you just do not know from week to week what that team. But at the end, you look up; they'll have eight wins, you know, and they'll go to a decent. But he's a good coach. They're going to be seven and five or eight and four, and maybe yeah. playing but in the Big the, Ten Championship yeah. game. Yeah. <laughs> who were, were the non-conference losses to again? Akron and yeah. who was the other one? Yeah, I forgot what the other was one it was. Was it Duke? Duke. I think it might yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Duke you lost Akron. to Akron. Yeah. You I know, and, and you're gonna, you might win this division. And then a couple of weeks ago, I think they were playing, was it Rutgers, and just looked terrible, barely won there, and then they come back and, you know, yeah, it's it's weird. Chipper, I got one more, one more question for you. Yes, sir. Our oh. boy is gonna go to a bowl game this year. Uh, the three and five. Yeah, I don't know if they get three more in them. Well, they get one this week for sure. Right? Yeah, we they got, got UNC Charlotte, Charlotte or Charlotte. whatever. If we yeah. can't beat Charlotte, we might as well board up the program. But they got, you know, Missouri and Kentucky will be tough, but... We're not beating Kentucky. I, I can't believe... I can't, <laughs> I've seen, can you I, imagine... Could you ever okay. have envisioned a day where, as a Vols fan, you'd be saying, oh, man, Kentucky would be tough. <laughs> I've seen you guys play... And if you go to a bowl game, it's further evidence to blow up this entire system, which I'm already in favor of blowing <laughs> hey, up. What did What did Glenn Mason always say? I've never been to a bad bowl. Chip Scoggins didn't say the same thing. You got to go to the Music City Bowl, and you got to go home. That was my line. Is I have. How about Kentucky though? Yeah, I know. What a what a seven story. and one. Yeah, You're in the top ten. That's unbelievable. The running back, right? Job. Yeah, yeah. The kid's really good. Yep. Thank you, Chip Scott. Right, boys. Thanks, Chip. Have Don't forget, too, our um, Mackie and Judd, 1500 ESPN Twitter show poll today with the Vikings at the halfway point in the season. What are you most curious about for the last half of the season? Filippo's play calling getting better, Kirk Cousins uh, curbing the fumbling issue, or will the defense return to the 2017 form? And we want that on Twitter because everybody loves Twitter. Oh, I'd give a rat's ass about Twitter. It's a platform for people that are sitting home trolling an unemployment check, sitting in front of a keyboard. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Guys, I thought we were in a hurry. On 1500 ESPN.